Graham said, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. That brings me to the question, though, how do we love? We hear of versions of love of like storage, which is empathy, philia, which is a friendship bond, eros, which is romantic, and agape, which is God's unconditional love. But how do we apply these to our life in practical ways? Today, I am joined by my pastor and, in many cases, mentor in my pursuit of the ministry, Lee Witt. Lee has been in ministry for 25 years. He's also been married for 25 years, and he's served on boards with the Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children and Oklahoma Baptist University. So I'm sure he's going to bring great content. Lee, this is my first time interviewing someone. So um, with that being said, let's hope this goes well. Well, I hope you're as nervous as I am in this then. Exactly. Well, anyways, guys, welcome to the Rekindle Podcast. I am your host, Brendan Griffith, where we seek to bring the gospel to you guys in practical ways. So Lee, without further ado, I guess we can hop straight into the first question, which is that we hear the term tough love. Is this a biblical term? And how would we go about showing tough love? Well, Brenda, thanks for having me first. And uh, I, I love what you've done in this broadcast already and uh, the things that you do, your your ministry that you have. And uh, as far as the, the tough love, uh, it's it's not a biblical term, but it's Definitely a biblical example that was given by Jesus. I love Wikipedia's definition of it. It says, When someone treats another person harshly or sternly with the intent to help them in the long run. Now, Jesus often showed tough love. I mean, you guys like the Pharisees or the hypocrites and um, you know, who just couldn't see past their own religions and rituals. They, they were missing the truth. Jesus showed them tough love in an attempt to get them to open up their hearts and their, their minds to a greater love. But he also showed it to guys like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. You know, those were two great benefactors of Jesus' tough love. They were, they were in that same boat with the others, and Jesus told them the truth, and they received it. Peter, James, and John were a few of the others who benefited from Jesus' tough love. You know, he used these to help these guys move forward from failure. But Brendan, if, if you'll allow me, I'd like to share a another biblical example of a greater love than tough love, and that is tougher love. I base it out of Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, I think tougher love is more difficult than tough love. Tough love is being direct with somebody else to help them. Tougher love is paying the price for those who can't do it themselves, even when they don't deserve it or don't want it at the time, still loving them. The tougher love of Jesus is for anybody who will receive it. Like the ones who blindfolded Jesus and punched his face after the arrest, asking him who hit him. Of course, Jesus knew who it was. But that kind of love was still for them. It's for guys like the thief on the cross that cursed and made fun of Jesus as, as Jesus hung on the cross dying for our sin. He became the last convert before Jesus' death. You know, it's for the guards that worked the crucifixion, that saw Jesus' heart as he pleaded with his father to forgive him because they didn't know what they were doing. You know, it's for people like you and me that had no clue what the cost of our sin was going to be. You know, a tougher love is, is truly putting others before you and your comfort, your desires. I think our society loses sight of what love really is, and it's not just what makes us feel good, but a, a deeper, stronger connection that, that means so much more. And 
that tougher love of putting others before you not only brings you more satisfaction, but it, it really makes a difference in others' lives. I believe tougher love is the greatest love of all. So Lee, the question that I thought of, because the others were fan inputted questions, but the one that I thought of was, you know, we all know Valentine's Day is approaching. People are starting to ask people out. People are trying to, you know, find that person. My question is that now that um, Valentine's Day is here, what are some practical ways and what are some just key things that we can look for in that potential partner? Oh, that was easy. Find the best looking you person you can find so all your friends will be jealous. <laughs> I mean, you, I learned that from Facebook. You can find it on, I mean, any any social media site. I mean, that is the key. Or <laughs> there, there may be more to it than that because I have in 25 years of ministry, I've done a lot of not only premarital counseling, but marital counseling and honestly, some postmarital counseling as well, where people have looked at appearance only. And don't get me wrong, appearance is, is very important. Before I met my wife, a lady told me that there was this friend of hers that I really needed to meet. And, you know, being a man that loves the Lord and wanted to follow, my first question was, what does she look like? And the lady told me she had a great personality. And I said, that tells me nothing. I'm not concerned about the personality at the time. I'm concerned about what she looked like first. And honestly, that's where most people start is with appearance. But unfortunately, looks fade for all of us. But what usually grows for all of us is, is what's underneath. And uh, we want somebody that we're going to be able to live with for years. If you're just looking for somebody to date for a moment, one, I think you're probably wasting your time and setting yourself up to get hurt. But if you're looking for a, a lifelong partner, somebody that you're going to enjoy life with, there are a couple big biblical principles I'd like to share. First being out of 2 Corinthians 6.14. This is something that we hear so often, but I think we miss the, the reason behind it. It says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness. And what communion has light with darkness? But it's the next verse that I think is important. It says, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Because the two people think different. We have different goals. We have different ways of wanting to do things. And Genesis 2.24 tells us that when we marry, we become one flesh. That we become one group, one organism working together that we're no longer two separate people doing what we want. We all of a sudden have to work together to make things work. And as a believer, as a Christian person wanting to follow Christ, if you choose somebody that ignores what God has and ignores his truth, then you can't go in the same direction. And that's what those verses are telling us. And it's not to tell us not to pick this certain person. It's telling us how to choose somebody right. So often we look at that and go, oh, well, God doesn't want me to be with this because, well, he doesn't want you to be with the wrong person because he wants you to have a great relationship. If that person doesn't agree with you, it's going to affect how you parent, how you deal with finances, how you deal with, uh, you know, extended family. It's going to affect your, your ministry at the, at the church and your purpose and your, the way you get to influence people and just, just all kinds of things. So you want to find somebody that, that is going to to believe like you, that is what's going to bring you a lot of joy and comfort because those, those looks will change. Now, again, when you're looking for these things, being a little bit more specific, again, looks matter. 
You don't want to go after somebody that you're not attracted to at all. You don't want to be with somebody that you do not like their personality. But you also need to look at their faithful characteristics of of how they view God, of how they choose, how they view the church, how they treat their family, how they treat others. You know, you want to see how they treat people who wrong them, because eventually you will be that person that wronged them. You're going to mess up and you you want to marry a, a forgiving person. You know, the, the things that you see are important now. You want to see that they're already doing them or otherwise... <laughs> You know, we're just trying to change somebody, and, and that, doesn't, that doesn't work very well. I heard a guy a long time ago when I first started in youth ministry, and I could not remember who this was. He was doing a revival while we were in Wagner, Oklahoma, and he, he said this, if you want to find the right person, you look at the person in the church next to you that is following God and marry him. He said that will be more important than their looks or anything else you find somebody that that believes like you, that follows and does the things that you in your heart already want in a person. And he says, you could marry the ugliest person in the world and be a lot happier than you would ever be marrying the best looking person in the world if they have those same beliefs. I know it's cliche and, and we always want to go after the, the best looking or the richest or whatever, somebody that we think is going to provide either physical benefits or, or, you know, have that wealth or whatever, when the truth is our happiness is not going to come from that. It's going to come from that relationship and being able to agree and, and have somebody that, you know, wants the same things that you want. Because one, they will please you better, but also you will be able to please them better and have a, have a meaningful relationship through that. I love what you said there, Lee. Um, I would like to add Deuteronomy 22.10 talks about an example with a donkey and an ox. And it says, do not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Uh, you may ask why. Well, donkeys and oxes are built different, one stronger than the other. So if, if you try to do have two people go the same direction, but they're built different, I mean, you're going to get some tension there. So I, I love what you said. But that leads me to my last question for you today, which is just a question about loving our friends. So I, first I want to commend you. I think you've done a great job with this with the church ministry and just in general, me being a friend to you, I, I think you've done a great job of this. But to someone wanting to know today how they can love someone, if they're heading to work right now and they want to love their coworkers or whatever, how would you say, what are some practical ways that we can love our neighbors? Okay, I think the first thing is, um, by, by the way, great question. I believe the first thing that we need to do is remember that we are loved, that that Christ loves us, not because we're great people, not because of what we can do or have done, just that Christ loves us. And when we remember that, we're more prepared and equipped to love others. So some practical things, just you know, when you're when you're on your way to work or when you're dealing with these people, is one to to. Just simply care about them. I mean, re- really care about the person. You know, so often we're quick to judge what they have been through or what they have done or their situation and look at circumstances and we forget that they're just people. And, you know, when you, when you really care about people, we can see past the problems that they may have. Once you really care about them, 
then it's natural to start to get to know them, you know, where you want to get to know those persons, to understand them. And uh, as we get to know them, then we keep up with them. You know, we start to hear their story. We start to hear about their kids, their spouse, their their whatever. And as you care, you know what's going on and you keep up with it. You can ask them about those fam the family members or their situations. And then when you see the needs, here's here's where we really get to start making a difference. When you hear the need, maybe you hear their kid is sick. Maybe you hear their wife is dealing with a, a problem. Maybe you see a, a challenge they have at work. And as they share that with you, as you question them about things, pray with them. Yes, it can seem awkward at first, and it's only because it's it's not something that we see very often, but it's very natural for a Christian to, to pray. I believe God makes us where we know that there is something greater there and that we need God's help. So even if the other person is an unbeliever, when we pray for them, we're showing them that love and uh, helping them meet needs. You know, not only through the prayer, but when we know them and care about them, we see their needs and then we're able to reach out and and help meet those needs. Now, I don't think we ought to be just handing you know piles of cash to, to everybody that that's that's in need. I don't think that is a solution. I think sometimes instead of just going out solving problems for them, it's walking through it with them. You know, the Bible teaches us to um, mourn sometimes with those who mourn. You know, to to weep with them, to to celebrate with them, just to just to really care. And when you're praying with them, when you're helping meet those needs, when they see that you really care, they know that you love them. And through that, we get to earn the right to to share Christ with them. And uh, what we find in that process is we just become real friends with them. You know, it may come from sitting with that person that doesn't have many friends. It may be that person at school or, or lunch room or the break room or the cubicle that doesn't doesn't interact with people. And you just go visit with them. And when we really care, God will use us to, to make a difference. I think it all all begins with remembering God's love for us and then sharing that with others. Well, you've been a tremendous guest today. You did awesome. I think this was a good interview for both of our first time. But um, do you have any final words you would like to close with before we end this thing? All right, let me let me go back to one thing we we talked about before in, in relationships. Yeah, you know, we always think we're gonna in relationships Especially when they're beginning, uh, the Christian person always thinks they can help the other person up. They always think they're going to lift this person up. And usually the, the weaker of the two believe they're going to be lifted up as well. One thing I do in premarital counseling, I have, a, I have the couples rate each other's spiritual walk. I mean, they rate their own spiritual walk with Christ. Like uh, the lady may say, well, I think I'm about an eight in my walk right now. The guy may say, well, I'm about a four, which is somewhat typical, four to five. And, you know, that eight is is generally where, where we meet most of the time in those. Uh, you know, it can be the other way around at times. But every time they think they're going to meet in the middle at around a six, you know, or maybe that the guy said, well, she's going to pull me up to an eight and then we're going to grow together. But how it usually goes is the the guy who or the lady who's a four, whichever is a four, doesn't shoot up to an eight. They pull that other person down to a seven and then a six and then a five, and then that guy kind of joins them or that person comes and joins them and they level off somewhere around a five. Now, we don't like to think that. They we always think, hey, we're just going to get together and we're going to grow and everything's going to be great. But what happens more than not is we tend to pull each other down. So a lot of times in a relationship where we say, I'm going to fix this other person, when the truth is, that's a lot more difficult than we think and we end up settling. I always encourage people to, one, 
choose somebody that really believes like they are so they can they can grow together. But two is if you're that lower one, your goal is not to reach them at a eight or nine or whatever they may be. Your goal is to lead them. You want to be the one that has that stronger walk. We had some friends that a little bit older that recently got married. The guy rated himself much lower. And when I showed him this, he goes, oh, I don't want to do that to my wife. And his walk in the last year has completely changed. And part of that motivation has been, I want to lead my wife. I don't want to drag my wife down, which is a great motivation for those that, that maybe are know they're not where they want to be in their walk, but want to lead their spouse or lead their person in their relationship. So uh, usually great motivation to, to follow as well. Well, again, that was great information, everything that you shared. Um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And guys, I would encourage you to consider following the podcast that way Anytime a new episode comes out, you can stay notified. And with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We will see you guys in a month. Peace out.